Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Uh, here we are on the third day of our Mr. Nice Guy Homecoming edition. Uh, joining me today is like the smartest guy I've ever met. Um, he uh, was in youth group with me. Uh, we were in uh, Barney Ross AZA, uh, the, the, the Chicago South Suburbs chapter. Um, and. Uh, yeah, we were buddies in high school. We uh, did a lot of uh, squad shit back in the day. Uh, he was like, so to speak. So to speak, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was um, he was like a, a national uh, competitor in the in the debate team in high school, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to him a little bit about what he's doing now and uh, how he's making sense of uh, this conscious reality we call life. So Carter Levinson, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. <laughs> good to see you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's good to be back home. It's good to be around family. There's a lot to be thankful for. There he is. Yeah. What are you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was. It was actually nice. Um, I find that the the older you get, the more you tend to enjoy the time around family because you realize uh, how truly rare it is. So. I think when I reach that turning point is when I kind of realize that I'm growing up a little bit because yeah. oh, I want to see family and oh, I want to talk about uh, stupid adult stuff and, yeah. and and pretend, but it's it's kind of comforting. Yeah, this certainly is. Uh, yeah, you you definitely uh, you treasure it more because it's it's taken for granted so much as we're when we're young and like um, when considering I only really see my family like a couple times a year. Uh, you know, I, I try to actually partake in conversations that are relevant to me now as they weren't uh, prior when, you know, when you're young and you don't need to give a shit about anything. Yeah. You know. It's pretty much one of two. Uh, I'm year-round in Pittsburgh pretty much, so this is about one of two times a year uh, that I actually get to come home. So it's good to see everyone. And, you know, this is really the time that everybody is there. Yeah. Uh, because when I come back, you know, for around winter for, for Hanukkah, uh, or as everyone else would say, Christmas, but <laughs> yeah. so to sp again, so to speak, yeah. not everyone's there, and that's more time with just your family, but Thanksgiving mm -hmm. is that one time where I feel like the entire family can get together. Yeah. So it has been really nice. Certainly. Yeah, man, I agree. Uh, I've been doing this show so much in Milwaukee, I like just had to bring the banner home and uh, sit down with some old friends. Uh, and yeah, is this the first time you're bringing it? Uh, you're bringing it back? Has it been Milwaukee-based the whole time? Uh, yeah. I That's mean, cool. over the summer, I had Julius Dolls on the show. <laughs> our good friend Nick. Uh, awesome. Shout out to Julius. Um, I had him on when he came. He visited me in Milwaukee over the summer. But before this week, yeah, no, I hadn't had anyone from uh, the Hope Flow area here. Um, but yeah, last night we had our good friend Shirt. Oh, shirt was here last night. Shirt was here last night. <laughs> like, Shout out, shirt. At like ten p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah cool. he he had to hop on a six a.m. flight this morning. Oh, so it's like Mexico or something. L.A. L.A. Okay. Close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I had Stu and Alex on here two days ago on Wednesday. Uh, Going to be talking to a couple others uh, in the next two days, but. Yeah, man. It's awesome. That's a really unique flavor. Thanks. Get people to see what HF is like. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I know. It's, it, like, it's <laughs> hard. It's hard to 
really explain it without showing it to people because you can say so much but until you come here right. uh people just think you're capping yeah <laughs> that's valid man that's so true i mean like hf is such a uh it, there, there's such a like a, a culture uh associated with it that often got took taken to the internet and and it's like that's yeah true. it's hard to explain hf without context like people actually have to be here and understand like what it's like you know like what parties have been like here, where people hang out, like what it's like, you know, walking through the halls and just seeing so much classic stuff going on <laughs> that only HF people would understand. It's fun. It's funny you brought up the debate stuff because before last weekend I was actually up north at GBN High School coaching, uh, coaching a debate tournament, coaching a high school debate tournament. Nice. It was one of the first times that I was in a high school in a really long time, and it, there's a lot of stuff that you forget about a high school. Like, yeah. there are just random parts of a high school that have, like, weird smells. Like, an area of the high school that just yeah. has, that just has, like, a particular, like, smell to it. And I would be walking through the building, and I would just catch a whiff, and I'm like, why does this part just smell, just smell bad? And it just reminded me of E-Building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, E-Building. E-Building and G-Building both had their oh, own yeah. distinct odors. And I'm just like, is that just, like, a high school thing? And I guess it is. Dude, yeah, no, that's... That's funny, yeah, I remember for some reason, like, my geometry classroom uh, just smelled like, it just, literally just smelled like a dead animal. Like, I don't know what the fuck it was, like, what was going on in the math classes, but some, it smelled like someone, like, died, like something was decomposing. Um, yeah, I, I uh, visited HF a couple times, like, when I was still in school. Um, I, last time I had visited teachers was uh it was like my sophomore year so like like early so like 2016 so it's been a while but um but yeah it was it was just weird to like I feel like I see being as like I'm not a student anymore you see teachers as people you know you don't see them so much as like an object you know you don't yeah. see them as like an obligation to your attention that like you have to like pay attention in class and you're doing this for a grade but now it's like oh i can actually like talk to my teachers as like human beings i actually like kind of understand like their uh their role so much more it's interesting because you can tell that there's actually yeah some of them do just want to be hard asses and some of them are kind of just forced to be hard asses yeah and some of them don't care like uh you know teaching just seems like it's their life because when you're when you're going to school like school is your life but then you grow up and you're working a job and you realize no it's just a job for them mm -hmm. and just like people can have different attitudes about jobs teachers have different attitudes about about teaching yeah. and it, it's hard to put it into perspective it really is yeah uh, <laughs> unless because it's like unless you're from the outside looking inward like all they are is just like someone who's teaching a class that you're getting graded on and then yeah I don't know like being an adult now is uh, I've, I've uh, developed a lot more empathy for what for teachers and what they do they're honestly one of the most um, one of the most underappreciated professions so support your fucking and public school systems they they need they need a raise and they need you need better people being brought into those roles because it really just has uh, such a strong effect because I remember I had a, t I had a math teacher in high school 
who basically convinced me that I was not good at math, that I should quit math, that I should abandon math, and that I was like not a math person. That you should quit math. <laughs> and, and, and like I did, and but and I did for a while, and then I came back in college, and I tried to do a lot more of the of the mathematical stuff and the number crunching stuff, mm -hmm. and I taught a lot of it to myself, and I was like, there is no such thing uh, as a math person or not. It's just are you willing to put into the work and. I wonder how much farther I would be now if I didn't lose out on those three years because I let some kind of like scumbag teacher convince me uh, that I was not good at math. And I feel like with just bad teachers, you can replace math with anything. Like it could be music, it could be art, it could be whatever uh, you're passionate about. And it's such a shame that like kind of like an old curmudgeon can like literally blow out the flame of like a young candle and yeah. that happens. And, you know, it's because... Not we're not always uh, attracting the best people to these teaching roles, mm -hmm. and like you said, it is a really important role because that's the next generation. Right. So exactly because I don't no, know why we don't invest in that. Right, students don't have any reason to be motivated if their teachers aren't motivating them. It's quite and simple. It's not to say that everyone's like quite as bad um, as that case, but yeah, you know, like, high, school, yeah. high school should you, you should. It could even be like a more minor case of just yeah, not getting people uh, excited about things because when you go to college, like that's a college professor who has a PhD and has dedicated their life to it, even if it's the most boring, dry subject that you can imagine. About like they kind of like bring like a passion to it, and sometimes mm -hmm. and sometimes like that comes off on you like okay maybe. Yeah. If you're being nice about it, if you're disinterested about it, like makes me want to learn and learn about it a little more too. So yeah, dude, totally. I the only, my, the hardest class I've taken, I took in college. Uh, it was also my only D I got in college, but it was uh, elementary logic. Oh, it's the hardest fucking class. Formal logic. Yeah, man. Mind your p's and q's. Like quite, <laughs> quite literally, man. And. Um, yeah, like, you know, you have to, like, logically uh, form arguments uh, okay. based on proofs. Uh, which oh, I know, I know all about that. I'm it's, sure it's you crazy. do. Yeah, and uh, it was I just... I bet you it was one of the most rewarding classes, too, because that, like, literally just tells you how to think about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it's, and that's why it's a philosophy class. Um, even though it was my quantitative literacy, uh, like, credit, it was still, I mean, it's a philosophy class because it does bring like the actual like um practical component of like well if this makes sense and that makes sense then you put two and two together and this is your result um and uh, i mean i like granted like it was a it was a course that uh, required a lot of uh you know uh hands-on practice which yeah. i struggle with <laughs> so I, I didn't really put time into learning the class yeah I'm not gonna lie. It's, it, it is it is awful to just sit down and do logic homework. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> it is really, really uh, awful. Yeah. So what what do you uh, so uh, are you in your final year? I'm not. I actually am going to have one year after this. Okay. I'm gonna be in college for five years because I have a triple major. Holy fuck! What? Yeah. Damn, I didn't realize. What are they? So I have the political science major, a philosophy major, and a computer science major. Damn. Yeah. I'm gonna. You need 120 credits to graduate. I think I'm gonna leave with close to 200 credits. Jesus. <laughs> so, so hopefully, well, no more school for a while. Because yeah. I'm, I'm about sick of it, and my brain hurts. <laughs> I, yeah, man. I, I don't. There's probably some. Uh, there's, there's probably some like uh, burns 
in your uh, neural passages. Yeah, like skid marks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But that's, I mean, um, that makes sense. I could see you in all three of those roles. Yeah. Uh, people always ask me, like, what, like, it, what connects them or, like, why these three? And the truth is it just kind of happened. But I feel like I have a wide breadth, you know, uh, technology field, uh, you know, social science, and then like a liberal arts. Mm -hmm. So I think it allows me to really approach things from a lot of different angles. But I will say, fuck political science. No, yeah. I, it was, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. I could see how that and the philosophy uh, degrees intertwine. They intertwine a lot, for sure. Yeah. And political philosophy. Um... And I actually have been thinking about like how do I bring in how do I bring in the computer science like what is uh, the issue that that links all three of these things together and the and the only one that I think I could come up with is artificial intelligence. Right. Really seems to combine all three of those, but I'm also terrified of artificial intelligence, so I don't I don't know if that's ever something I'll be interested yeah, in. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Watch too many of the Terminator movies. Yeah, right. Terminator. Uh, Skynet. Skynet. You just think of Skynet. I do think of Skynet. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you just... Because speaking, it's, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility if you have, if with the wrong programming, if you have a machine looking at it logically, just saying, yeah, these humans are just killing themselves, like, collectively as a species. Let's just help them along with that. It seems to be what they want. Yeah. And, like, right. I have all the new codes. <laughs> Especially with, yeah, with this, the science of algorithms. Yeah. With the science of facial recognition. Um, with uh, the, 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 the vastness of mass government surveillance that uh, has been so controversial all these years. Yeah, man, it's fucking scary. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole different type of, of scary. Um, yeah. uh, I, even though I have this political science degree, I don't tend to, to get super political about a lot of things, but one of the things that I like am very political about and tend to campaign for is the right to privacy. And I would really like to see like an actual right to privacy represented in the U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. Because right now, all we have in the U.S. Constitution that resembles a right to privacy is the Fourth Amendment, which uh, protects from unreasonable searches and seizures. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's like a, a negative definition, by which I mean it's like, this is what the government can't do. But I'd like to see something in there that says the government, this is what the government should do, and what the government should do is protect people's privacy. Mm -hmm. But uh, instead, they're kind of in cahoots with the biggest companies uh, in Silicon Valley and the NSA, and, and they're doing the opposite. And, you know, that's just something I'm really, I'm really passionate about, you know? Mm -hmm. Not that every single thing that you have or that you put online should be private, because that's not realistic, right. but that, you know, if you have something online or if you have something in person and you want it to be private, it should be able to be private mm -hmm. because I think you got to think about it in the same way that you think about privacy in real life. Like if you go to, uh, you know, the center of town and, and you do a dance and you don't want people to know about that dance, well, you can't really expect that. That's not, that's not a private space, but you know, if you're changing your clothes in your home, you know, you should, you don't want other people to see that per se. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So I, I think it should be the same for the internet. And right now, not many people are, are aware of how it works because, honestly, it is so complicated. And, well, it's not, the, the minutiae of it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. But the simple idea of how it works is pretty simple. 
but the people who are operating it right now are really invested in making it so complicated so you know kind of people who would really be able to understand it mm -hmm. think that they're not able to understand it yeah and uh, yeah I don't know it's just it's not it's not cool no no it is so, not cool I'm a huge fan of of Snowden for kind of like uh, showing yeah. that stuff that people thought was just paranoid conspiracy theories is is just reality oh yeah oh like absolutely like I mean there's there's like absolutely I mean I like it's a, it's a direct threat to the liberty and freedoms we are, are you know so that so enchant folks to call America home is that you know it's a it's a it's yeah it's just a direct uh um detriment to that because how free and um how unrestricted are you if the government can see and mine data on you yeah. and basically share that with whoever they want and what and, and what is that and what is that saying that's saying that you see every single citizen in this country as a potential criminal and as a or a potential terrorist or a potential threat to to your society and if your government has that attitude towards your citizens i don't think it's surprising that a lot of people in our generation don't really feel any love for this country because mm -hmm. uh, i think many people see the country in opposition to them and what they want to do and that's uh i don't think that's not valid no it's not valid and that's not gonna you know create a good country where people want to be proud to be a citizen of that country right, right. Uh, and you're kind of treating what, you know, your citizens, your population, what should really be your greatest asset as a country, you're treating them like it's your biggest threat. Yeah. That, and that's fucked up. Right, exactly. That's the whole, uh, the whole, it's what incites the us versus them complex that people are so afraid of, especially like, you know, not even to get into immigration. That's one thing, but also in other yeah, countries, a huge, that's a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it incites just, it's fear mongering uh, that you have to, you know, it's you're every man for himself. That you know you should fear thy neighbor uh, as opposed to befriending them, um, and you know, and also just that you have to like watch your back for you know uh, exercising. You know, at the same time, it's almost like a, it's almost kind of like a, uh, uh, a... Like how cops get mad at you for knowing your rights. Right, yeah. What is that? Exactly. It's also a, con a contradiction to how we so exercise free speech here. Well, it's like, if we're, if we think we're exercising free speech, but the government, you know, is able to, like, you know, constantly watch us and you know, uh, undergo surveillance on its citizens, then, like, how free actually are we? How yeah, it's known, it's known as the chilling effect, which is, it's just precisely what you said, that if you, if someone is watching you and scrutinizing you, are you really likely to say the same things that you were uh, if you weren't? Right, yeah. So, it is kind of like a soft cap on, on mm -hmm. free speech. Mm-hmm, yeah, right, yeah. So, Snowden, who revealed, uh, you know, all this stuff that all this stuff that's going on, I mean, should that be considered free speech? Uh, because you know, right now he's chilling in Russia or China or whatever mm -hmm. uh, in political asylum because he's considered a traitor. But who did he betray? Uh, who did he betray? The government or the people? And I wish the I wish we were in a country where those things were synonymous. Still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a uh, Snowden was on Joe Rogan recently. I he was. I believe so. I don't think I saw that episode. Yet. Oh yeah, I think it was recent. Yeah, that makes sense then. But yeah, man, uh, 
and John Oliver got to talk to him too. Like, yeah, man, it's, but it, it is terrifying. Like, you know, cause there's, there's so much out there. We still don't know. I don't think, uh, uh, many, uh, you know, average tax paying citizens are necessarily ready to know everything that we don't know that the government yeah. is, uh, you know, um, hiding or is, uh, classifying. You can't, I, I can only say that the, the history of surveillance and the history of whistleblowers uh, will just tell us to expect the worst because mm -hmm. every single time since the beginning, since the end of World War II where surveillance really started to ramp up, uh, the worst has always been proven to be true. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fucked, dude. That's so fucked. Shouldn't It should not be that way, man. Like, no. it just... Um, it shouldn't. Right, and uh, go ahead. You know, it's just that that's that's something I'm really I'm really passionate about because uh, I feel like that the idea that you should be able to be sort of like autonomous and free and not worry that people are watching you, at least that's what they tell us the backbone of this country is supposed to be, and it, I I don't think this country really ever lives up to what it says. No, no, this, it, yeah, it's uh, and I think uh, and I don't necessarily blame that on you know what our. Uh, countries like uh constitution and like uh, how it's written or how uh you know basically like what the you know the liberties yeah. that we've been promised I, I blame just who's in control right i blame the the system that's what i blame it's the people that are you know and dictating the socioeconomic system you know the the really i'd say that uh you know it's a little political but i don't want to get too political, I tend to lean left on mo most issues, uh, but this is one issue where I think the left has really let us down because both the left and the right have no interest in changing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in that sense, it is, it is not, it's not a party, it's not who's in control. Uh, it's, it's the system and it's about maintaining the system. Mm-hmm, right, right, right. anything else. Yeah, like just uh, keeping, keeping those with uh, political power yeah. in power. Um. And... <laughs> You know, like, you know, for some reason that that attitude is more is more easy to to stomach when you're at war and you have an enemy, uh, and it's life or death. But I, it just it's not it's not that way. Like, what life or death reason can you have for keeping tabs on like the text messages and phone calls of all the American citizens? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. Like <laughs> snooping between a you know a. a a a couple just trying to mend the relationship, you know, a concerned mom that wants to know uh, where where her kids are, you know, like that's, you know, it's uh, it's yeah, like stuff like that that just poses no cause for concern, which is just simple, you know, day to day interactions of uh, they, of interpersonal relationships. And, and they say that that's not uh, what they're looking at, but but they how, can, they can, and also. Why would I take their word for it at this point? Yeah, exactly. That's so true. <laughs> if the, the government hasn't been fucking honest with us this whole like, time. Even um, I, I was having a conversation at the dinner table about this Trump uh, whistleblower, and we were trying, they were trying to figure, me and my family and our guests were trying to figure out who it is. And they said, well, he is a federal employee, uh, somebody said. And I said, how do you know that? And they said, well, he identified himself as a federal employee. And I said, I'm just saying, if I was a whistleblower 
and I was a, and I wasn't a federal employee, I would tell them I was. Or if I was a federal employee, I would tell them I wasn't because right. the last thing I'd want to do is point them in the right direction exactly. uh, of where to look at me. And so, you know, there's just a lot of like secrecy and all this like espionage stuff. Oh yeah. That's actually it's, it's like funny. A spy movie gone wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually funny because uh, James, Bo James Bond and the Giant Peach. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's funny because my my family and I we were uh, we were playing a, a board game over there. Which one? It's called I Descent. I Descent. Uh, cool. Yeah, I like uh, board games. Yeah, sister introduced it to us last night. But basically, the way the game works, it kind of works in that exact uh, like reverse psychology that you're <laughs> describing. It's like Someone reads whoever's the chief justice. Um, they read a uh, a prompt, which uh, it's basically it's a it's it's an opinion, and everyone that isn't the chief justice is supposed to like. Uh, we're supposed to argue whether we agree or disagree on with it, and then. But the thing is, is like you don't need to be honest with people about yeah. what you're going to vote. If you're going to vote, whether you agree and disagree. Like, you know, the, like the idea, like once uh, you kind of like sort of uh, get the hang of the game as you kind of build like your skill with like how you are reasoning with people, mm -hmm. then, you know, you can, you can fake people out and like, you know, totally put something different uh, in order to win the round. I mean, yeah. like, it's just, it's simple, like it may not be like mm -hmm. the most, uh, you know, it, it for, for the sake of... Uh, Sounds fun. Right, right, exactly. Like you know, <laughs> for, enough, yeah. for the sake of uh, like ethics, it, it may not be like uh, the you know the most fair in people's eyes. But honestly, as far as the game's rules go, it's it's totally uh, yeah, it's totally um, fair, and you can do that. And as you know, as long as it uh, as long as it's to your if it suits your advantage. So that's exactly. It's like you can you can totally fake people. You can tell people exactly what you're not gonna do, and then do the opposite. Do the opposite. You know, like and you know, and yeah, it, because it, it fosters trust. You know. Yeah, that's a that's a condition as a condition. It's anarchy. Mm -hmm. It's the actual definition of anarchy, where uh, there is no there's no higher force telling you what you can or cannot do. Uh, so you can really only assume that people are going to act in their best interest and they're only going to, to tell you the truth and they're only going to work with you if they think that they're going to need something from you yeah, later. Yeah, I, assuming things is the worst. Don't fucking, you can't, you cannot assume through life. Assuming has fucked me, uh, it's, it's fucked me over in the past. Yeah. Don't assume things. Especially like, I agree. <laughs> don't, do not assume that, um, that you know you're gonna get the answer you want to get from a job interview or or a, a position. No matter how confident you feel you are, don't assume. You know, like remain vigilant at all times. Also, like even simply, like you can get into trouble just assuming that when you and another person say the same word, that you mean the same thing. Yeah, that's can also <laughs> really get you in trouble. Yeah, man. Exactly. You know, some people. Uh, some people are preoccupied with their personal gain. Um, I, I stand corrected. A lot of people fucking are, so... <laughs> Damn near everyone. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, like, I get it's it. That's something I've been thinking about, because uh, I get it, too, but... It's, probably, it's called Mr. Nice Guy, right? It is. Do you feel like the nice guy finishes last? 
That's a that's a good. <laughs> it's funny because you're the first person to ever ask me that. Uh, I mean, does the nice guy finish last? Uh, you know, I think it it depends on the context there. Yeah. I mean, I think that if I'm talk if we're talking like, you know. Not taking advantage of people, just being genuine and moral being with genuine, my intentions. Being giving, yeah, um, you know, being open and honest, you know. Then you, maybe like, like maybe, an actual nice guy. At, yeah, just you know, uh, what you call a nice guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think that you know when it comes to uh, like um, like wealth or uh, or a- acquired uh, sense of influence. Yeah, it takes longer. It takes a long time. You know, it's like I'm not, but I'm also like I'm not going to take advantage of people or mislead yeah. people into like what I'm doing here. No one makes a billion dollars about getting their hands dirty. Exactly. So like, I believe that to be true. If I finished first in you know making this in and making this podcast a brand into turning it into a potential future LLC or of some yeah. kind, something that I could actually sustain myself with, it's not going to take. It, like like you just said, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes a long-term sociological shift into people thinking that, oh, you know, we actually value what he has to say or we value what his show's platform is or who it gives the platform to or just kind of like the the dynamic of the show. Like, and that, like it takes a long time, you know? I mean, yeah. like, th- you think of uh, celebrity actors. Most of them, Unless it was like a big budget Hollywood movie, a lot of them were acting like in in independent films with lower budgets for a long time before sleeping in their cars, sleeping in their cars, you know, like living paycheck to paycheck, working day jobs. You know, it it doesn't happen overnight. It's I'm happy to finish last in that way because like I I'm I'm enjoying the process, man. Like I don't want something to happen overnight where like my life instantly changes and yeah. with that instantly the, the the standard to which I'm put you know uh, increases like crazy in a way that I may not be prepared for but when it comes to the emotional gratification like the the feeling of fulfillment I get that's where I feel like you know I I have that already you know like just from doing this so you know I think that I'm trying to morally and ethically conduct my platform in a way that, you know, suits, uh, you know, not only like suits my guests and platforming them and having them, giving them a a chance to speak and uh, bring light to whatever issue they please, but also to me, like, I just, you know, it makes me feel good to do it. So that, I wouldn't say I finished last there. (laughs) I would say that like that has been here because I believed in what I was doing and was confident in what I was doing like when I started doing it. And that's only gotten better over time. Something to be said about doing things right yeah, <laughs> and <man. laughs> not doing them at all, right? Right. I mean, clout is uh, entirely socially constructed, man. Like, I, like, you know, people, people look to uh, validation to, into, for social media influencers but how many of those influences are actually like expertised in whatever it is that they're uh, like branding themselves out of? You know, like I wanna, I like I, I'm just I wanna. And the whole point, I, and like if we're being honest, the whole point of being an influencer is eventually just to sell out. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I mean, I just like I wanna. I'm more about anything a, that starts off genuinely. I mean, if you're gonna just give that. 
to it's worse than just like celebrities and ads because when you see when you see like a celebrity in like a Gatorade ad, you're like, yeah, they probably drink Gatorade, but like I'm not like you know convinced that they're right. really you know. But with the with the Instagram and the influencers, they're like, I love this product. I live, eat, breathe, and shit this product. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like sponsored content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. They were that was scripted. Um, yeah, man, like. Yeah, I think that I find the most wealth. Please buy my stuff. I wish I had stuff to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like when you have like I I draw my greatest like fulfillment not through material wealth but through wealth and knowledge. Uh, just being experience, having the most experience or uh, you know uh, worldly perspective and just you know garnering as much knowledge as I can. Um, something that. I strayed away from, you know, in the years where I was, you know, growing up, going through puberty, trying to fit in, doing whatever I had to do to fit in. But now it's like, yeah, man, I just, I just want to like understand the fucking world. That's very, that's very noble. That's um, a concept that comes up a lot in the ancient Greek philosophy uh, and specifically in Plato, where he divides people up by the kind of soul that they have and the kind of appetite that's associated with the soul. Mm -hmm. And so he says that there are people, uh, the most base people are driven by appetite. So those are people who do things because uh, they want more money, they want more goods. Greed, they want yeah. Greed, yeah, sure, they want sex. It's more like your base, it's more like a base instinct, right? You want right. money, you want food, you want you want sex, you want you want whatever you want. Sure, yeah. Uh, and you're driven by those, and those people are the producers and the consumers. And then above those, you have the people whose souls are driven by spirit. So these people, instead instead of like the other people whose uh, souls are concerned with tangible things, they're a little bit on a higher level because their souls are concerned with intangible things like valor, uh, spirit, glory in battle, honor. Um, and then those people tend to make a good protector class because they're willing to die for something beyond them. And then above all of those are the people whose souls, the appetite of their soul is driven by knowledge or a love of wisdom. And they're even more separate uh, from that because they're concerned only with knowledge and not with any sort of ends or means that could be achieved with knowledge. There's the idea of knowledge in itself, and mm -hmm. those people were the philosopher kings. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> philosopher king. Philosopher king. Slowly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm simply known in history as just nice guy one word <laughs> man um well, I appreciate there, there's some flaws with that but yeah it's um you, you know it's interesting to just help you kind of like think about what you actually want from this world oh, yeah. i don't know if any of those things are wrong but you know plato definitely thought that some of them were better than the other oh, yeah for sure <laughs> hey i mean i'm i'm not no uh, i'm no uh, exception to splurging you know i there's plenty of things i love to do i like to collect things yeah you know Find How many me. stuff do you collect? Mostly records. Records? Uh, mostly, cool. mostly records, but I also... I have a small vinyl collection. Nice. We'll have to exchange it soon. Um, I also, uh, I collect... I mean, it's not so much of a physical collection, but more of like a uh, a hobbyist sort of thing. Uh, I'm a huge... Uh, I'm a cinemaphile, uh, so I watch a ton of movies, uh, sometimes several a day, uh, with a specific emphasis on... Psychological thriller and horror. Oh, okay. Um, 
I mean, I watch all kinds, but... But, yeah, no, I've, I'm, watch a lot of movies in that genre, too. Nice. Yeah. I've seen every Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, there you go. There's like a hundred of them, Jeez. and some of the really early ones where he was shooting them, um, like, in England, watching them without subtitles is, is different. I'd be watching this movie, and I was like, oh, okay, so some people took a thing, and they walked around, and it was cool. And I read on Wikipedia, and it's like... In the in the intense context of like the Irish Civil War, these people like and I'm like, where did you get any yeah, of this? Wow. So I couldn't even understand their accents. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then of course you get and he becomes this really big Hollywood director and does stuff yeah. like North by Northwest, uh, Dial in for Murder, yes. Vertigo, Vertigo, Psycho, Psycho. Oh, yeah. Say was he the Birds too? He was the Birds. Yeah. Man, <laughs> there was a lot of crazy stuff going on that set too. Yeah. That's yeah. That's why I, I actually, birds is crazy. The birds is actually like horrifying. terrifying. <laughs> horrifying. Yeah, I haven't seen you can all. Place of it, anything. Like imagine if just like all these like little like critters that we just take for granted just like start turning against us. Right. Exactly. Yeah, dude. It could, could be like on one hand it could be like a video game, but on the other hand it could just be like oh my god, there's so many rats. Like yeah. that. <laughs> if you're in New York City and all the rats turned against you, you're done. I believe it. I, I totally believe it. I wonder how, like, there's probably millions of rats in here. Yeah. Some of my uh, favorite filmmakers are David Lynch. I am surprised that you started with that. I love David Lynch. Oh, he's the best, man. And not many people talk, not many people watch David Dude, Lynch movies. Dude, underrated David Lynch movie is The Straight Story. Uh, people don't talk about it enough in, in the in the. That's one that I have, I have to see. I think my favorite is Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet's fucking great. That's crazy. I'll fuck anything that moves! Um, Heineken, that shit's for pussies! <laughs> Pabs Blue Ribbon! <laughs> My favorite's actually probably Wild at Heart. Ooh, that's a good one. I just love Willem Dafoe. Did you see, um, I saw it like on Twitter, he made like an Adidas commercial or something. <laughs> it literally just looks like if if Twin Peaks was an Adidas yeah. commercial. I've got it, he's just like, he's just like running and it's like surreal and he just appears in it. David Lynch made an Adidas commercial. That's, That's so like, funny. That like sounds like a, a text generator bot made that. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's I think one of his most fascinating ones um, is uh, Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I've watched that one about five times. Yeah, it's, it take, it's taken me a while to like kind of come up with a cohesive interpretation for that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I have to watch it again. I damn near uh, that the plot is kind of obscure to me at this point, to where I can't confidently talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anybody says to you that they can confidently talk about it, I don't think they've seen the movie enough. Right. <laughs> Inland Empire as well. Yep. Mindfuck. Um, another filmmaker I really like in that department, uh, sort of surrealist. Uh, I like Harmony Korine a ton. He was he made uh, kids. He made Spring, oh, spring Breakers. He made kids. Yeah, he made kids. Wow. He made Spring kids Breakers. Kids is a great movie. Yeah. He uh, Spring Breakers is a hilarious. Movie. <laughs> Man, <laughs> the grill. Yeah, yeah, the fucking James Franco grill. I like just movies that take um, sort of uh, like everyday, like uh, otherwise seemingly normal, like. Uh, suburban or urban yeah. lifestyles. And then they ask, what if? Yes. That's cool. Yes. That's the power of creation. really is. Yeah, I like that shit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm really into movies. Um, I actually... It's not in this, in that genre, but have you ever seen uh, City of God? It's on my list on Netflix. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a really good one. Brazilian. 
Uh, I've been trying to just. There's so many I've been trying to watch, but it's like all the movies on my list are between two and three hours long. Yeah. <sighs> I know, dude. And I'm yeah. like, I don't even have time for like a 20 minute episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> and, dude, yeah. And like, you better believe I want to watch this three and a half hour Scorsese movie that yeah. just came out on Netflix. But where am I going to. So that's why I'm looking forward to the break. Mm -hmm. uh, this next break coming up yeah. after finals because that's when I can watch a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. You have to force time into like yeah. into your schedule. Yeah. That's uh, that's the biggest thing that I tend to do when I'm back in the land is watch movies. Yeah, watch mo movies with the boys. <laughs> so with, with the squad dudes. With the squad dudes, <laughs> our squad shit is just watching three hours for eighteen <laughs> <Yeah>. movies. <laughs> yeah, I used. Yeah, to I mean if. When you're around, I'll totally watch movies with you. Let's so it sounds it. like we have similar taste. We yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, man. Uh, as well as uh, uh, swap uh, record taste as well. Um, I've been listening to a, a lot of uh, dark ambient doom metal and uh, experimental stuff. That's been kind of my forte lately. But uh, I uh, still try to remind myself of wavier, simple pleasures. <laughs> you know, such as yeah. you know the. The Mac DeMarco, the Washed Out, the Youth Lagoon, that kind of stuff. Uh, still love all that stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Very calming music. Yeah, man. There's so much, really love, dude. I really love R&B right now. Do you? Oh, yeah. Uh, what have you been having on uh, Circulation? Um, what I've been at, I've been having a lot of the same on Circulation, because not a lot of new stuff is coming out, but I'm really looking forward to maybe a new weekend project, new Party Next Door project, yeah. P4, keep my fingers crossed for January. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's good, you know. Yeah. I just like sexy music. Sexy glass animals, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, purity ring. Prince. Prince. Yeah, dude. Uh, I if remember. You made the sexiest music in history. I would like go to bat for oh, that. I would. Too. I would go to town to <laughs> some Prince. Um, yeah. Well, th so that was the last time I saw you was actually at the Pitchfork Festival last year. And that was. That was truly an amazing uh, experience. Mm -hmm. Did you go the whole weekend? I was there, yeah, for all three days. Nice. And it was super cool for me because there are a lot of bands that I'd just been, like, crazy about for, you know, at that point, like, six, seven years who I'd never seen in concert, and I finally got to see them at concert at Pitchfork, and it was yeah. like, there were times where it brought tears to my eyes, like, seeing seeing Fleet Foxes, yeah. seeing Tame Impala. That was my first time seeing Tame Impala. Wow. I've been a Tame Impala fan since 2011. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I just saw them, and now I've seen them three times since then. Funnily <laughs> Holy enough. shit! Yeah. But you saw Unknown Mortal Orchestra that weekend, yep. didn't you? Yeah. Japanese breakfast. Japanese breakfast. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. It was, good. it was also the first time I saw Smino, so I got really, really into Smino after that. Smino's he has great. such an electric personality that yeah. I don't know if I would have gotten as into him if I hadn't been uh, like introduced to his electric personality mm -hmm. with the. G <laughs> with the three foot joint, he yeah. passed out, and he was like, hey. he's a cool guy. <laughs> That's so funny. What happens if it like cracks in half or something? I don't know. I think the funniest thing is when you passed it to, to the security guard, and you see the security guard on the Jumbotron just take a massive puff of it. <laughs> and it's like nobody can resist it. So oh, that's that's like That's some Snoop Dogg shit, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really is, though. Um, I, uh, uh, there's been, um, I freelance write for a music blog now, um, mm -hmm. which has uh, become very, it's a great opportunity to get immersed in the Milwaukee music scene, but also to, uh, um, to uh, luckily we have a good relationship with uh, venue 
uh, companies yeah, around sure. Milwaukee, so I get to see bigger touring acts uh, often on behalf of the blog. And um, so this year I saw some really good shows. Uh, Walking so, in through the press entrance is a different Oh, it's, feeling, it's amazing. It? <laughs> um, got to see uh, Ween at Riot Fest Whoa, this year. That's cool. Got to see King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh, saw Stere- King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yeah, that was insane. That's a cool name. <laughs> yeah, I got to see Stereolab, nineties. Uh, Stereolab. Yeah, I know Stereolab. Dude, nineties. Uh, French like. French like. I don't even notice like dream music. Yeah, it sounds like you're in a dream. Dude, their music is unclassifiable. Like it is really. <laughs> it's so. F- it's fucking amazing. That's though. like my study music. Oh hell yeah! Stereolab and Aphex Twin. Aphex Twin, yeah man, the selected ambient works. One of the best records of all time. Um, I want to get like an Aphex Twin tattoo, not of his face, but of like this. <laughs> yeah, his face would be cool, but I'm not quite like <laughs> ready not, for that kind of ink. Not of the uh, the was it the the record with like the grinning, the evil grinning face on it. That's his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I love is uh, when he. A big part of his music is just using very like complicated and strange analog sounds to unsettle you, mm-hmm. and I love when he also uses his uh, like. Crosses that to the visual aesthetic realm too, and just uses his creepy ass looking face to unsettle yeah. you as well. Yeah. I actually have um, this like weird like tapestry of his face hanging up in my room right now, and it's like black and it's like got like all these different like trippy colors on oh, it. Wow. Nice. And it's just his like creepy grinning face. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm probably the only person that I know who would want this in their in their bedroom. That sleeps it's, soundly with that so in creepy. the room. I sleep yeah. better with it. <laughs> I just I love it. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. I love it because um, I really do like sexy music, but I also, in electronic music, I see two things that don't really stem from any other type of music. One is using new technology to expose humans to sounds that they were never meant to hear. And two is using those sounds to um, kind of unsettle the way that we feel about certain things. And so... I think it's cool the way that the human mind, when it's confronted with sounds that it's never heard before, mm-hmm. was never supposed to hear, and then it associates those with a particular visual, how that kind of like unsettling sound will affect the visual. And that's kind of like a weird way that it plays on the way that we're evolutionarily wired as humans. Like if you hear, uh, like if you hear a dog growl and a dog bites you, you know, uh, you're sort of like evolutionary programmed to associate that growl with the idea that a dog will bite you, and then, you know, if you're reasonably intelligent, when you hear the growl, you're supposed to avoid that in the future. So when you combine sounds that were never supposed to exist with like kind of quotidian things that you're supposed to see every day, it's just something in the brain that doesn't really, that wasn't really supposed to happen. Yeah. It, was, it was a quirk of history. <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah. Like it's just, uh, yeah. When you, when your brain is exposed to like obfuscated audio, uh, phenomena that yeah you just you're and Apex Twin <laughs> was doing all this shit analog uh, yeah man <laughs> the technology that w- it was not the same as the technology available right now mm-hmm. and I, I think I really wish electronic music would be more analog than digital right now yeah. even though in general I tend to favor digital over analog for everything else mm-hmm. yeah I can see that yeah man and people are uh, really fascinating uh, subgenre of that electronic music is uh, plunderphonics. Tell me about it. Where they uh, take uh, they take sounds from like conventional objects and uh, 
uh, and you know we'll chop and screw them into loops and uh, cadences and you know and turn basically turn everyday sounds into music. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to put me on some of that music because that's exactly what I look for. Oh sure. In electronic music. Oh yeah, there's a couple artists like the Books, uh, Matmus. Um, I know there's uh, there's some glitch artists out there called like uh, Venetian Snares, yeah. Square Pusher. There's some truly like it's you. It makes you wonder like like what were they what are they intending their <laughs> audience to react to when they make this like because you know when it's like this glitchy like chaotic tempoed uh, sequences of all these just like weird electronic glips you know it's like what yeah like what are you supposed to do just like like stare at it like it's a it's a beast with with four heads I don't know. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's also, it's, that's why I'm so fascinated by, like, uh, the visual displays and the set designs of, like, you know, how uh, musicians convey their sound live. That is a huge part of live music to me, and a huge part of why even live electronic music can be crazy, because it's about an experience. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, I, like, especially with, uh, with color, how uh, artists will experiment with color, uh, with lighting... Um, you know, with, uh, you know, spatial relativity uh, between, like, the band members or the equipment or the props or whatever. Like, it's all, uh, I mean, if you ever go to a Flaming Lips concert, like, yeah. it's an entirely, like, psychedelic uh, odyssey. It's like a wonderland. You know who I thought did a really good job of this recently was uh, Travis Scott on his World tour. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it was, uh, like, really amazing it production. Was, it was an incredibly production and it was incredibly psychedelic experience as well and I'm glad that he embraced that because I've I, I, I've seen a lot of Travis Scott and I've seen him really grow uh, as a performer from you know just performing uh, in, in a basement un underground in a bar in Chicago mm -hmm. like performing the song gray hanging from the ceiling like a monkey like ah, and everyone's <laughs> going crazy to you know Performing uh, the song "Can't Say" on a on an upside down roller coaster that was assembled and created while like flames are shooting everywhere and there's like a baby barf like a psychedelic glowing baby barfing during sicko mode. So <laughs> oh wow, it, it was truly like kind of overwhelming visual yeah. experience too. Holy fuck! Damn, I I should have gone to that tour. Damn, Damn that's just it awesome. was cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, that's that's it's cool. Dope. But I saw him. Uh, and there was like two, it was one that you wanted to be in the, I'm not always like crazy about the pit, but that was one you wanted to be in the pit for, because he had a front stage and a backstage, and he was riding a roller coaster in between them, and you would just be running back and forth from the stages, and there would be different visuals on, on each one, and I, that was, that was incredible production value right there. Holy fuck, damn, that's, 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 some, that's it's, it's also like, watching an artist like, in their ascension, from doing like you know such low budget like DIY style shows like that to literally um, probably having the most money to do the shows yeah. out of anybody at that point mm -hmm. like it was on top of the world with like sicko yeah. mode at that point basically it's fucking which fascinating <laughs> I, I it seems uh you um you you and I appreciate a lot of the same uh releases a lot of the same uh you know we we value artistic expression we value exploration of ideas uh, we ex um, and I feel like that's why I've always just really that's why I wanted to have you on the show because 
Hey, thank you for Always having me. This was a that. really cool opportunity and something I really wanted to do. Totally, man. I'm glad you could do it. So talk. before we uh, close out, I'm interested in like, so with, uh, you know, your triple major, yeah. um, <laughs> I guess like, do you have like a, uh, do you have like um, a preconceived notion of like what direction you want to take uh, post-school? Um, as for what's happening post-school, I think I'm going to just go wherever the wind takes me. But in the future, I really, really want to own my own business because uh, creating something and sort of having a legacy is super important to me. And that's so much more important to me than, than what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, just yeah. ha having something that stays behind after you're gone. Uh, yeah. Something that you can give on to your to your children and have your children enjoy the fruits of legacy. Yeah, yeah. now it goes it. back to the Greeks that the Greeks had so many different separations between the realm of the mortal and the realm of the immortal, and you know, or the realm of the gods and the realm of man. And the realm of the gods was the immortal, and the, and the the fate of man was to be mortal. But the way that man could achieve immortality is by the propagation of his name through through legacy, through having children. And so, uh, you know, I, I learned that reading the Greek plays and that's something that's always really struck with me. And it's why I'm not, I don't get nervous about my own demise. That's a good way to put it. That's, <laughs> that's a comfortability that should be far more yeah. universal than it is, but we're not taught. Instead, no. instead our ideas of, uh, our ideas of uh, fate is. or of demise is to, uh, is ultimate judgment. You know. It is, and our our own our own fate, our own demise can be scary and it can be confusing because we don't know what's going to happen after you die. But if you have children and you raise your children right, that can be comforting because that's something that you know your children will live as you raised them after you died. That's exactly why. <laughs> that's exactly why I want to have kids. So I, uh, I, I do. And I, I actually you hear a lot of people say that they don't want to have kids uh, because of climate change and. It honestly is a risk. Like, if you do have a kid, it's possible that your kid will die in an apocalyptic climate fire. It's also possible that your kid may just be the brilliant person who solves a crisis of climate change in the mm -hmm. first place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems hopeless right now, but I think, you know, humans got to have that hope. Otherwise, yeah. why are we even doing anything that we're doing right now? Quite, yeah. Like, I, I don't feel like there's any, uh, there's any point in... Um, I, I don't feel like having kids is by any means like inherently like a, a selfish act to, to bring uh, to it's bring, neither good nor bad no it's no just, it's natural exactly yeah uh, and yeah like that's exactly like I feel I have I guess just an optimistic instinct that you know I want to raise my kids to do good uh, I want them to uh, force I want them to facilitate change in the world in the same way that like I would hope I'd be able to do if, if like, I could only live so long, you know? Yeah, what, what, I mean, what if your kid solves climate change? What right. if your kid cures cancer? What if your kid just makes another person's life better? I mean, is that, yeah. <laughs> is that enough? I mean, right. that's a personal choice, but, like, you know, I do agree. I'm not super hopeful. I'm not super optimistic about a lot of things. I'm cynical. But I think you got to be hopeful about the trajectory of the human race. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's all it just seems like it's kind of pointless, right? Exactly, and we have to. Uh, we have to. That's tough to. That's tough to swallow. Yeah, we have to repel that nihilist, that nihilism, in uh, whatever capacity we have, and we do that through giving. There's two, and there's two business. ways to think about nihilism. There's you can say, uh, nothing means anything. I'm super sad. 
so I'm just going to sit down and not do anything forever. Right. Or it means you can just do uh, whatever you want. You know, because nothing means anything, you can be yourself. Right. I, I think that what we draw, what ultimately draws our um, our yearning for existence and our perpetual, uh, you know, motions through life, like why we choose to continue to consciously, like, live by day by day, like, you know, um, t attending to, you know, our, our, uh, our basic human needs, our, our survival instincts, our, um, you know, social interactions, our societal relations. Like the reason I feel like we as humans, um, you know, perpetually partake in that every day is because really like, you know, what life is for us is, is is based entirely subjectively within our emotions and our thoughts. Yep. You know, it's it's all confined in our own subjective reality. You know, like our whole lives is just us thinking and feeling. Like what it means to be a human being, what it means to live is to feel things. And I just I believe that like you know, the more uh the more you acquire like a uh as universal of a perspective of like what, how others are making sense of this life, the more fulfilling and wholesome a life you, you, you leave, you know, and that's like, yeah, I get, I, I feel like that's kind of my response to nihilism is that like, yeah, you can't, you cannot prove that any of this has any point, but you also can't prove that it doesn't. <laughs> so, um, that's why you just have to, you have to live for, you just have to live for what's here. Yeah. <laughs> you just tell the nihilist, does it matter if nothing matters? <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, Carter. I'm wrestle with that. Yeah, we will. <laughs> off camera, off the record. So, uh, Carter, we're going to close out. Uh, uh, Carter, tell me what keeps you up at night. Uh, stimulants. Stimulants. <laughs> right. Too yeah. much coffee. Coffee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eating before you go to bed is not wise. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still do it, but uh, yeah. if, you, if you eat carbs before bed... Candy. Candy. <laughs> it's more the crumbs that get stuck yeah. in your bed and you're like... I can't eat in my bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not a bed eater. I should stop doing that. Well, that's when I watch my movies. Is I'm in, in bed. bed. Yeah. Uh, what uh, puts you to sleep, though? <sighs> you know, the confidence that the next day that I just got to get through the next day. You know, I fall asleep. I fall asleep easily, knowing that if I don't, the next day is going to be that much harder. And it's just day in, day out. And then suddenly it becomes week in, week out. And then suddenly it becomes month in, month out. And if you leave each day right, then you start living your months right. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Love it, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Ben. You bet. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. Look. One final plug for any of you who are concerned about the privacy stuff that I was saying. Download the app Signal. Protect your messages, protect your privacy. Signal. I'll be posting a link. <laughs> Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.